0: I told my coworker about it during downtime on our shift, and I still think in awe about that day. I think I was allowed to glimpse into the very distant future. I still wonder why all the buildings were covered in that shiny black material, which makes me wonder if it wasn't for some type of security reasons. Hey everybody and welcome to the Paranormal Portal Podcast. I'm your host Brent Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us. As always we appreciate all of you out there and thank you so much for your wonderful support. Remember if you've got an experience and you'd like to be a guest on the show please reach out to me. You can reach me at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. and you're listening to the paranormal portal i just want to first and foremost thank all of you out there for all of the amazing support uh it's about the best holiday present that i could ask for um you guys have been amazing and i get so much wonderful feedback from the shows and uh it really means the world so uh, i guess i just wanted to say thank you because you guys have made this experience absolutely incredible. And I I just feel so fortunate that I'm doing something that so many of you out there are willing not only to listen to, but to be a part of. So thank you so much for being a part of the portal. Tonight, we're going to go through a bunch of listener emails that were sent in. And I love these. I absolutely love these. Uh, it's it's an absolute honor for me to get these stories from you guys because you're entrusting me with something that happened to you. that, in most cases was absolutely profoundly earth shattering and then probably stood your world on its head and that's no small thing. And so I always feel a great swell of pride when you guys send in your stories for me to share with the rest of the listeners. So, and that's what we're doing tonight on tonight's show. So I hope you guys are all ready because uh, this is going to be epic. Alright, folks let's dig right into this and uh, we're going to start out here on a, in- a listener email from a listener named sean and sean says i know you're always grateful for new content so here are some true stories that have happened to me or my friends the first story me and my girlfriend were living in our separate homes while we d- decorated the house we-, we were moving into one night after work i went there to do some painting It was the first time that I had been there at night and alone. I could feel that I was being watched. Even after I bolted both doors and switched all the lights on in the entire house, I still felt uneasy, as if I was being stared at. I ended up closing the door to the bedroom and placing a can on the door handle so that if anyone tried it, the can would fall and alert me. This eased my mind and I finished the painting and went home and did not mention this to my girlfriend. When we had moved in, my girlfriend would say that she kept seeing a shadowy figure out of the corner of her eye. She said it looked like a human-shaped, but then one night I was sitting at my desk writing something when I saw a human-shaped figure of a woman just walk or glide by me, while I was looking straight at it. It was completely black. It seemed 3D. She didn't look at me, and when I jumped up and looked to see where she was going... She had vanished. I asked the neighbors on both sides of me if they had experienced anything similar, and they both replied that they had constantly saw shadowy figures around their homes. Wow, that's something. I know that sometimes these uh, home locations were once maybe big farms or 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 some other plot of land that belonged to a family. So I guess you know it doesn't surprise me that it would be in more than one house. Uh, having the same phenomenon and maybe it has to do with the location too but wow that's a great start sean thank you and let's go to story number two a taxi driver friend of mine told me about how one night he picked up a customer who was standing by the side of the road my friend asked where he wanted to go the customer who was pale and in shock and trembling named a place that was over an hour drive away Well, my friend told him that would be really expensive. The customer said he didn't care what it cost. He couldn't stay here any longer, so off they drove. My friend asked him what was wrong, and the customer replied that he had been in his mother's home sorting everything out, ready for it to be sold, as she had recently died. He was in a bedroom when three human-shaped shadows just walked into the room and stood there looking at him as if to say, who are you? What are you doing here? And where's the old woman? The customer ran out, locked the door, and the house was sold to the first bidder. <laughs> I suppose. Oh, I don't want to hang on to that. The third story in Sean's email is a, a pretty good one as well. I mean, these are all wonderful. So special thank you for all of you who send in these stories. But the third story is, I saw a friend who I hadn't seen in over a decade When we were catching up, he told me that he had moved into an ex-public house and had been living in it as a home, but he had to sell it because of supernatural activity. He told me that on a night when he and his girlfriend were sleeping, they would be awoken by the noise of a group of people running by their bedroom door. It wasn't just noise being created, the door would actually shake, meaning they were pounding the floor with force as they ran by. My friend was convinced it was real people and would run out with a baseball bat that he had to keep by his bedside as this happened so often. But every single time there was no one there and no sign of forced entry. He just sold it. The fourth story in this email chain was, uh, a security manager told me that the building where his office is, was built in the 1500s. Wow. That's old. One day two staff were eating their lunches while sitting on the oldest part of the building. And the next thing the manager knew, they were both running away down the road. They quit immediately and refused to even go back there to get their pay slips. When asked what happened, they refused to say, but they said they were never going back there again. Another time, his father had seen the spirit of a cavalier sitting at the table looking at him. Then it just disappeared in front of him. They ended up having the place exercised, and that seemed to calm everything down. Yeah, sometimes a good cleanse is necessary, especially on old, old properties. Those, uh, those old buildings have a lot of old ghosts. Story number five. The same security manager told me that one of his guards was doing a night patrol inside an old building, and he saw a young girl walk by him in the corridor. Well, they smiled at each other, and after she passed him, he realized there shouldn't be anyone else in the building, especially a young girl at three in the morning. He turned around and the young girl had vanished. A human girl could not have gotten past the open and opened the door within the seconds it took the guard to turn around. Story number six. If you want to see how beautiful northeast England is, just look at Dustenburg Castle. It is known that two men have ran away in terror from the castle at night because of what they saw. One man was approaching it and saw figures standing all along the battlements with flaming arrows ready to fire. <laughs> Jeez. The other man was approaching the castle when a figure of a woman came floating straight towards him. The main ghostly tale of the castle is one for the romantics about Sir Guy, the Seeker, and this can be Googled. Oh, fantastic. Hope you enjoyed them, and I find that only real ghost stories are worth bothering with, and can I believe that people like listening to fake ones on YouTube? Yeah, I <laughs> I kind of agree with you. I mean it's it's entertainment, I suppose, but still, I don't think we stand to learn a lot from a fabricated tale. But I always look to these real stories to try to try to learn something new about this incredible phenomenon and and I, I seem to take away something with almost every story. Some little tidbit makes me think or or helps me to connect the dots and cross the T's or. Well, those are fantastic stories, Sean. Thank you so much for sending those in. And uh, I really appreciate all the time and energy you put fabricating that entire email with all those amazing tales. So uh, I really appreciate it and uh, keep them coming. If you come across any more, I'd love to hear those as well. All right. So next we're going to move on to an email I received from Mary Watson. And she talks about her experiences. And these are fascinating. She writes, hi, Brent. Love your show. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana, and have two true time-shift tales. You invited me on Twitter to share my two stories via email. In the first one, I was driving to work on the 3 to 11 shift to the alarm company I worked at in downtown Indy. I was driving up West 16th Street, not really thinking about anything, but just enjoying the drive. I was looking at the city of India on the east side of the White River, off in the distance, as I was approaching the bridge. Suddenly, the skyline totally changed. It looked like Indianapolis, only much bigger and expanding to the northeast about three times the size that it is now. Wow. I noticed the buildings were coated in this shiny black facade and all were mostly skyscrapers. I saw small craft flying around the tops of the buildings like street traffic. The whole scene was much like out of the Jetsons cartoon. I was flabbergasted to say the least. By the way, this was in the nineties and I don't do drugs. My job also tested for that. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose that would be an easy, easy out for that kind of a problem. But if you don't have chemicals, then I guess you got to own it a little bit. Um, The whole scene lasted about maybe eight seconds. If I had to guess, and then suddenly the city shifted before my eyes back to the present day, and my car was on the bridge headed for the sidewalk concrete railing. I got control of my Buick Electra 225 at the last minute and so glad that I did. I told my co-worker about it during downtime on our shift, and I still think in awe about that day. I think I was allowed to glimpse into the very distant future. I still wonder why all the buildings were covered in that shiny black material, which makes me wonder if it wasn't for some type of security reasons. Kind of makes me wonder if maybe the the coding was something to do with, I don't know, perhaps in the future, and this is just a wild guess, but perhaps the reason for the black facade is that there's some incorporated uh, um, solar setup that it's absorbing the, the energy from the sun and, and able to convert that. I don't know it's anybody's guess but uh makes sense if you're thinking about the future i always think how, how would they better utilize our our situations even even the building facades could they be somehow utilized in a way that helps a future society maybe i don't know if elon musk is listening you're welcome and just a small percentage is fine All right. So let's move on to our second story. And this is driving through South Carolina with my hubby and he was driving and we were going through a residential area where there were old colonial style homes. I noticed Bill was looking at one in particular and it also caught my eye. By this time, Bill was no longer looking towards the front of this one house. When I spotted a carriage that looked like it had just pulled up in front of a non-paved driveway. There were men getting out of the carriage, all dressed in colonial time period clothing, tights, jackets, wigs, and all. I said, look at those men, Bill. But he acted like he didn't hear me and wouldn't look that way. They didn't appear to notice us at all. There were no other cars on the road in front of us or behind us at all. The men were in excellent shape, like you might think of people from General Washington's time. Before you say, I perhaps spotted people returning from some sort of reenactment I assure you that was not the case because as we were approaching the house no one was there in front of it it was just taking in the scenery and it was just like they popped into it one moment it was just a house and the next it was a house with men dressed in from like Washington's time period disembarking from a beautiful carriage and they were all quite handsome and dapper looking I will never forget that. She goes on to say, I have a UFO story to tell in another email and a haunted cemetery one as well. I've studied the paranormal since my first experience at a very young age. Take care and stay spooky. And as luck would have it, Mary did send another email and this is, Hello Brent, this time I have a most amazing true story to tell you. It was a hot summer's night in 76 after my boyfriend and I returned from living in Hollywood, California for a while. We didn't have air conditioning, and Bill liked to go for nighttime drives around the city of Indianapolis or on the outskirts thereof just to cool off and relax. But this night, he wanted to drive near the city on New York Street's east side closest to the heart of the city. We were maybe four miles from the White River that runs west of or alongside the city, It was a beautiful clear night, about 10.30 p.m., and we stood in his son's front yard talking as we just stopped for a few minutes. We kept looking towards the river as we all noticed this craft in the sky. It looked black, and at first I thought maybe it was a helicopter hovering in one spot, but it moved slowly after a while, and we saw lights. But there was absolutely no sound. Soon we noticed other ones, three in total. We were discussing this and wondering what they were when we decided to leave as Bill and I wanted to get a better look. It was about 11 p.m. when we left and drove to the White River Parkway. We drove slowly, getting a much better view, and pulled, uh, we pulled over and got out of the car to watch them. There were three craft, and we could see that they were triangular in shape with three white lights "'on each point underneath, with one reddish one in the middle. "'We stood there observing, wishing we had a phone just to call anyone. "'These three craft were at fixed places in the sky. "'One was nearby overhead, another one off to the northwest, "'and yet a third one was on the northeast or opposite side of the river from us. "'As we watched, one shot up and out of sight in a second, and it was just gone.' I looked for the one overhead when I turned back, but nothing was there, or so I thought. I could just see black, and then the light came on under the triangular craft. It moved very soundlessly and slowly up and down over the parkway, and out over the river and back. I looked to the one in the east, and it moved slowly further away. Then its lights went out, and never did come back on. That left the one near us that had moved... To the intersection of the West Drive and Michigan Street by the bridge. We had watched these craft for two and a half hours. Bill said we needed to get home because we both had to work the next day and he was right, even though I thought he was crazy and hoping the police would drive by at least. But there was little or no traffic around 10:30 pm and zero traffic by the time we decided to leave at 1:30 a.m. We drove to the intersection where the soundless craft was hovering, and I told Bill to go very slowly as we approached the intersection. We could see slanted windows all around two of the triangular sides, but no light came from inside the craft. As we were driving under it, I hung all the way out of the passenger side window and looked up at the belly of it, and it was only about 40 feet above us. I was awestruck and will never forget that night. I knew in my mind that we didn't have anything like this craft on Earth. Bill was ex-military man in some type of special forces, but didn't know of any craft like this either. When we got home, I called the police, but no one else had reported anything in the sky, and they put me on hold and called the nearest military base, but they didn't have anything out either, and checked with uh, Weir Cook Airport, but nothing in their radar either, they said. I discussed this with coworkers next night at work, but didn't think to report it to Dr. Alan J. Heinick's agency that existed at the time. I decided a couple years ago to report it to my local MUFON organization in a phone interview. He asked why I didn't report it then. I said, I guess because I couldn't prove it and I didn't think anyone would believe me, even though three people, my boyfriend, his son, and I all saw them that night. That was probably the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. It wasn't until about 10 years later that Belgium had the craft identical to the ones we saw, all in the night sky. As a side note, decades later, I phoned an old online Star Wars article about a man who lived on East New York Street as a child during that time period, telling of seeing a craft or UFO from his bedroom window. He went to bed and said these small beings with large heads and big black eyes came into his room and checked him out. Interesting. Thanks, Brent, and stay spooky always. Mary Watson. Well, thank you, Mary. That's a a fantastic story and uh, very compelling. And, uh, you know, the, the triangular craft are interesting because there are those reports of them that suggest that they are perhaps indeed, um, interstellar or from another another uh, race of beings but those are also uh, reported or at least rumored to possibly be the tr3bs which are um, allegedly from the breakaway space uh, civilization that exists here on earth and black projects and such and i don't pretend to know much about that but i do find that interesting that what you saw was indeed seen in in the famous belgium account that is incredible I, I i don't know if we do have things like that or not or could or or anything of that matter but uh, i think it's it's an incredible experience to see something that is well in any of the paranormal something that's not supposed to exist that is it's just incredibly amazing and uh, i think it's really cool that you took it in stride and that you both we're able to have that amazing experience. Very cool. I don't know. It kind of reshapes your world (laughs) or at least your, your idea of the world. It really does. You start looking at everything just a little bit differently after you've had your, your mind peeled open like that. So fantastic. And thank you again so much for sending in the stories. Those were phenomenal. And, uh, I really appreciate it. If you've got any others, I'd love to hear them. Our next story comes from uh, a listener that I, I have met him in in, uh, in real life at a conference in Medellin Falls, uh, Washington State. It was a Bigfoot conference up there, and uh, it was a phenomenal time. We had just an amazing experience up there meeting so many incredible, wonderful people, including uh, Tom Seawood, who's been a guest on the podcast here several times. And I also met this gentleman who's he has been – He's been a follower of the show for a while now, and his name is Will Ulmer, and a very phenomenal guy. Met he and his wife, and and uh, had a chance to talk with them a bit at the conference. And uh, he he reached out to me and and sent in this this email. Uh, and he also he's also an avid listener of our YouTube program. Which, if you haven't checked out the YouTube program, we'd really appreciate it if you would and get subscribed over there. The shows on YouTube are. <laughs> Well, they're, they're kind of a, a different experience. Um, this sometimes similar to what happens here on the podcast, although mostly we do interviews and such here on the show, but, uh, and the emails and, and sometimes I just talk about things, but the, the YouTube experience is much more of a, of a, <laughs> of a variety show. So if you haven't checked it out, please head over to youtube.com slash paranormal portal and check it out. Get subscribed, come check it out. Uh, come, come into the chat room on a, on a live show and, uh, it'd be neat to meet all you guys. So, um, but this, this is Will Almer's email and he is a, a Bigfoot researcher and a paranormal researcher as well. And a very, very, again, very knowledgeable and, and incredible guy. And I really appreciate that he sent this in. So the story that he's sharing via email is one that happened to him when he was out investigating Bigfoot and, uh, Washington state, I believe, but, uh, let's get to the email and you guys can see what you think here, but it's, it's it's a hair raising story for sure. He said, I thought maybe your viewers would like to hear a story from one of my outings in May of 2015. I decided to go camping at a lake about 45 minutes away from my home. I worked the graveyard shift. So when I got off of work, it's pretty much early in the morning, I was all packed up and ready to go. So I jumped into my, my rig and headed off to the lake. As I turned off the main road and started heading up the mountain, I got this unsettling feeling in my gut. As I kept climbing in elevation, the low-hanging clouds were drifting through the trees and it made it difficult to see and didn't help the feeling that I was having. I was determined to camp the weekend, even though I was going out there by myself. I eventually made it to the small campground near the lake because... I was there so early in the morning, I had the place all to myself. A storm had just blown through and everything was wet and very quiet. As I stood there looking at the lake, I had a feeling of peace, but also a slight feeling of uneasiness. After a few minutes, I chose the spot I was going to set up for the weekend. Before I even got the first things out of my car, I heard two loud wood knocks from up on the hill overlooking my campsite. I waited a few minutes to see if I heard any more, but nothing happened. I got all my gear out and started gathering firewood, and that's when I heard a tree fall over on the hillside. Thinking it was just a a tree falling over from all the rain we'd been having, I just wrote it off. About ten minutes had passed, and I heard a second tree fall in the same area. At this time, I started thinking twice about the feeling I had earlier. I started getting a Fire started when I heard something falling through the trees and a loud thump sound. I turned and looked, but I didn't see anything. As I was putting another log on the fire, I heard something coming through the brush. I turned quickly and saw a large rock the size of a bowling ball bouncing down the hillside and splashing into the creek next to my camp. As I looked up the hill, that's when I saw it. All I saw was a slender black figure rocking back and forth, and then it took off to the left super fast. The vegetation was thick, and I couldn't see its head or legs, but I saw an upright torso and a long arm swinging behind it as it ran off. I've seen plenty of black bears before, and this was no bear. The speed it has was absolutely frightening. I could hear its feet as it ran. Every sound around me went absolutely dead. The rest of the day, I didn't go far from camp. I just watched that hill. That night, I could hear distant screams off and on. Next day, I hiked up the hill to where I saw it. The vegetation was so tall, I couldn't see over it to view my camp. Whatever it was had to be tall enough to see me from that spot. Later that day, I hiked three miles into the small mountain lake that had something paralleling me the whole time, but that will have to be a story for another time. Sincerely, Will Almer, Grassman 58. And thanks again, Will, for sending that in. That still gives me the chills. That story is just so, so incredible. I, I mean, I can understand, uh, you know, people that have, are avid outdoors people, but I just can't imagine what that would be like to be in a situation where you're all alone and something is watching you and and interacting with you and you have no idea what its intentions are. I mean, you can't know if it's just curious or if you're on the menu that's, that's the part that's hard to, hard to understand, hard to know what to do with because there's so much we don't know about these things. In fact, we don't know much of anything about them except some observed behaviors and, and several ideas about what they may be up to and what they do. Um, the only thing we know is that hundreds of people every year see them. They tend to push down trees, they leave footprints, they're uh, observed eating to some degree, and uh, they tend to try to avoid us. But oddly enough, other times they don't. And that's the conundrum, I guess, of the Bigfoot Sasquatch phenomena is that they live isolated from us by intention. But then you hear the sightings where they're just kind of meandering through a grassy plain and, and uh, they see the people look at them and they're like, ah. you know, like a, a visual acknowledgement that I know you're there. And they just unhurriedly continue their, their walk and and that's the part that's kind of hard to reconcile it's hard to understand what are they doing why did do they do that and i i can't pretend to know and i don't know that there is anybody that can really say for sure but there's a lot of ideas out there about what these things are whether or not they're dangerous i know there's two very clear camps of thought on that that some people say no they're the they're the wise uh elders of the forest the the keepers of the of the forest and then there's the other people that are like these things you, you eat people, and and there's a whole variety in between. So, what are they? What do they want? I don't know, but it's that unknown. When you're dealing with something that is so big, so powerful, so strong, so um, graceful, and 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 acclimated to its surroundings, that you know we as as people have very little we can do in the form of defending against something that is. So far off the scale uh, above us in strength, speed, awareness, uh, senses. And, uh, you know, I don't know. So it's the unknown, I think, for me, that's the hard part. We don't know when it's looking at you. Is it looking at you like, oh, there's one of those bald people? Or is it looking at you going, I wonder how that tastes with a little garlic? You know, <laughs> we just don't know. And that's the creepy part of it. Uh, it's the unknown. Uh, but I guess for the most part, I would have to guess that they don't actively hunt people because if they did, there'd be a lot more missing people. There'd be a lot more uh, people disappearing without a trace because there's a large communities of people that are active in the outdoors. And I am, I'm sure they are observed regularly by these things, but they just watch. They seem to be curious and uh, for the most part, not trying to start any, uh, any problems. So for whatever that's worth, and, and again, I don't pretend to know for sure, but those are just some of my thoughts. But man, Will, you, you got uh, kahunas <laughs> of steel. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, would have, I would have been gone when I heard the tree knocks. I would have gotten there, started unpacking, heard the tree knocks, and went, oh, time to go home. I'm ready for a weekend in front of the TV. <laughs> that's why I'm here doing a show instead of being <laughs> out there in the bush doing some research, but... Fantastic, and I really appreciate these kind of stories. I appreciate all of them. They're just amazing, and they're just little windows into the experiences of so many people. So next we're going to go to an email I received from a listener that goes by Voodoo Child. And it says, hi, I have so many things I would like to share that I'm not really sure where to start or how to go about this so it's not overwhelming. I guess I'll go subject by subject and send them in separate emails. I'll go ahead and jump right in and tell you about the shadow man. This being is a very tall male figure that has no detail "'and looks just like a shadow. "'This being has, to my knowledge, "'been in my life since I was around 10 years old. "'I began seeing him after my family moved across the country "'into a house my grandfather or grandmother had built, uh, "'brand new. "'Because this house was new, "'and no one had died in it until my grandmother did many years later, "'I didn't think this being is attached to or came from this house.' I haven't seen it since moving out of this house, but have recently caught a male voice whispering in a sleep app that's m- making me question if it's still around. I was only using this app because it w- I was curious if I snore or sleep talk and wasn't trying to pick up anything out of the ordinary, but did. Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of the things. When, you, when you're doing things like that, there's, there's the old saying, you can't unhear this. So if you do catch something, you kind of get to live in that reality suddenly. I have seen this shadow man standing at the foot of my bed many times, but when I was a child and a teenager, it was often seen by myself and other family members in our hallway and peering into the living room. The most significant experience of this being was one I shared with my mom. I was about 11 and it was some, something during the night. I woke up to the feeling of a presence looming over me and an overwhelming fear. I wasn't paralyzed, but was just too afraid to move. There were all these voices urging me to move from every side of the room and just like a cacophony of, of them saying, get up, come over here. Then I was being thrown into a cold bathtub by my mom. On my mom's side of it, she was woken up And at first thought it was just my brother. So she told him to just get in bed and go to sleep. She was shaken and her name was called. And that's when she realized it wasn't my brother. She sat up and it was the shadow man standing there. He led her to my bedroom where she found that I had a very high fever. I'm not sure if what I experienced was just a hallucination from the fever or if these voices were trying to help me. Either way... My mom would not have known I was in such a bad condition. If she hadn't been woken up and my fever wasn't brought down so quickly, I really think I would have either died that night or suffered brain damage. Wow. And that's the end of the email. Uh, I do hope you send in more of those. And and again, that invitation goes to all of you out there listening to me. If you, if you want to be a guest on the show, that's awesome. But if you want to just send in your stories, I'll do my best to do them justice here on the shows. But I think those kind of, those kind of experiences are, I, I don't know if it's, if it's obviously it's not malevolent. It's not harmful. It's, it seems as if this is somebody watching over and, and taking care of the people there. And that doesn't mean it's necessarily a spirit guide or a, or a guardian angel, although those two could be possibilities. But generally speaking, uh, I think that the spirits that linger that were once human are, are not, they're not uh, evil or trying to hurt anybody. They're just, they're earthbound because they choose to be. That doesn't change the fact that they, they have these same sensibilities that we have. And certainly, um, perhaps they're in they're in a home because they love the home, that the home means something to them. Whether it's you know, however they came in, whether it was a, a traditional home or if they just happened to end up there because they like the people. But I think that they they can and and possibly do work in just kind of a a caring way, and and ministering over the people there in some form or another. So. Uh, this would be one of those examples of if it is just a you know a, a spirit that was present, noticed something was wrong and decided to take action on behalf of of that child to to help and to possibly save his or her life. And I think I think that's amazing. And and those those are the kind of hauntings I think we we all could use. It's like if you're going to be hanging around, either learn to drag a vacuum around every once in a while, or at least keep an eye on things. You know? <laughs> I think I need the I need the dusting and vacuuming haunting myself, but <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's it's really fascinating that they they still can choose to intervene and to be helpful and to be an asset to the people that live there. Um, generally speaking, I don't think in most cases most hauntings are not uh, trying to be problematic. Perhaps it's it's the whole uh, I'm stuck here for whatever reason, whether by choice or because they don't really realize what happened, but they're still just like people with bodies. They're, they're still, they still desire that interaction. They still desire connection and uh, engagement. And perhaps that's why they do things. They're just kind of, hey, I'm here. I'm letting you know I'm here, but I'm not trying to cause any trouble. And, and I think that those are those situations where you can, you can, you can claim your space, so to speak, where, where you can say, look, I know you're here, don't cause problems. Don't scare the kids. Don't terrorize the pets. Don't uh, don't hide my keys. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Fill in the blanks of you know don'ts. And uh, if it is indeed just a, a a spirit presence that's lingering, more times than not, they will they will honor those requests. So many times we hear stories of people that have done just that. They've they've said this is okay. I acknowledge you're here. This is what I'm okay with. And this is definitely what I don't want you to do. If you're going to stay here, you have to honor these. And, and for the most part, that, that's the end of the problems. In, in some other cases where it's possibly something dark or evil or malevolent of some form, then you'll have more to deal with. But at least then you know. Um, if, the, if activity still continues to happen, it could be one of two things. The activity is just residual. And there's no intelligence behind it anyway. It's just a, a repeating uh, event or events that just play over and over for whatever reason. Or you're dealing with something that doesn't really care what you think. And then it's got to go either way. So just some food for thought on that. Um, I, again, I don't know that it's possible to be an expert on the paranormal. Although I hear that, that, <laughs> that label being thrown around all the time that certain people are experts And I I don't think that that's possible but because we really don't know um, what these phenomena are, what's going on in these situations. But I think that it's pretty safe to uh, be able to take uh, precedence from, from stories like this and to assign at least some hypothesis about it. Like, you know, I've heard this many, many times that this happens and this happens, so I think it's okay to assume that this is probably the situation. So I think if you talk to them, like, look, I know you're here. If you're going to be here, just, you know, please respect my wishes. Uh, if you're not willing to do that, you're going to have to leave. You're, gonna, you're not going to be able to be here. And that can be the end of it. Or then you got to contact people that can get rid of it if it continues. So in either case, I don't know. I, I've, I've lived in several experiences of spiritual presences. Most often they were very benign and, and fine. I didn't have terrible experiences. Uh, in fact, I don't really re- recall ever being terrified ever. Sometimes you get the uneasy feeling, but in that case, you know, you got to deal with it however you deal with it. But um, I think for the most part, these these spirits stick around because they they don't choose to go on. Or possibly they're, you know, intimidated by the idea of going on and facing a judgment because maybe they know they weren't the greatest person in the world, and and uh, there's no hiding it. Then, you know, whenever you make that that cross, according to many religious traditions, we are then weighed and measured and either found wanting or found, uh, you know, in, in good standing. So, in any in any case, whatever you believe, I'm I'm sure certainly plays into that quite a bit, but. Those are some, some really cool stories and experiences. And, uh, you know, in terms of all of the stories shared tonight, I love time slip experiences. I, I've, I've experienced something of that myself that I've shared on the, on the podcast here before. Uh, you have to look through the archives to hear uh, several of my, my personal stories. Um, there's one in the archives, "Walking in My Shoes" or something like that. I, I can't remember exactly what I titled it, but it's it's a it's a a, a collection of a few of my experiences, and uh, of course there's many 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 more. But as time goes on, I end up forgetting more than I'm remembering. <laughs> so some of them maybe just lost the time now. But uh, I'll have to go over that and and put together a second uh, show about that because I, I know it's it's an honor for me when you guys share your experiences. And I really have either had the misfortune or the, the incredible opportunity to experience all of the things that I've experienced. It depends on how you look at it. Some people would say, oh, that's terrible. That's not good. Or other people say, wow, that's really interesting. And for me, it's, it's been a, a pretty amazing journey. So I, I, I appreciate the things that I've seen because they always remind me that the world is bigger than, than the three-dimensional problems that we all get stuck in. So I think that's kind of a good takeaway sometimes. But... I will just say that I, I really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening, and I hope you'll check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash paranormal portal, and uh, check out our Facebook, youtube.com slash paranormal portal radio. This will all be in the closing anyway, but uh, uh, we love your, your, your participation in, in all that we're doing. We are absolutely honored. So many of you continue to come back and uh, take part in listening to these shows. And uh, we appreciate uh, all of that. And uh, again, I want to wish you all a happy, wonderful holiday season, whatever you celebrate, whatever this season means to you. I hope it's a wonderful opportunity for you to get together with your family and those you love and uh, have a, an amazing experience. Uh, and I hope it's peaceful and wonderful for all of you. And I guess that's going to about wrap it up for tonight, folks. So thank you again for being a part of the journey. And we'll uh, see you on the next one. Alright, guys thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show i hope you guys enjoyed it please feel free to follow us on facebook facebook.com slash paranormal portal radio as well as finding us on twitter we're on twitter at paranormal portal p-o-r-t-l and uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. We got hundreds of shows, journeys into the paranormal portal. So hope you'll check it out, check it out, guys. We're over there at youtube.com slash paranormal portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice, take care of each other, help each other out, find the magic in every day, and remember to laugh as much as you can. Uh,